the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Learn the parable of the fig tree. What I want to know is, is this fig tree symbolic? Does it represent something? Sometimes in Scripture it does, and there are people who say it is representative here, it is symbolic here of something other than just a fig tree. That's a very valid question. What does the fig tree mean? Secondly, in verse 30, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And, and so you have to ask yourselves, what generation? Is he referring to the generation of the disciples? Is he referring to a future generation? What generation? Another question, based on verse 32, but of that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone, I want to know why do people set dates for Christ's return in light of this verse? of very interesting questions, and I hope it has whetted your appetite for today's verse-by-verse program. Our speaker today, as always, is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're continuing with our series, Birth Pains for the Kingdom, and specifically, we're looking at the time of Christ's return. I wonder if it is possible to figure out when Christ will return. What if you could pin down the exact day and the exact hour? Hmm. Oh, then there is the fig tree and what it represents, or maybe what I should say it doesn't represent. All things considered, we are in for a very interesting time on today's Verse by Verse. You might want to deploy your seatbelt on this one. Let's go. If I could open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 13. Mark the 13th chapter. We've been studying this. For some time, and uh, now we're going to see how Jesus applies some, some things and pulls some things together in response to what his disciples had asked him. Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 28. He said, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. It's like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, 
whether in the evening or at midnight, at cock crowing or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Now this passage of scripture really ought to raise some questions in your mind. If you had enough time to, to think about it, and it's always good, you know that just when I leave off, uh, the passage that I'm going to leave off, or the place where I'll leave off, I'll pick it up next time, it's good for you to read ahead and to acquaint yourself with the passage. And if you had done this, you should have some questions in your mind. I certainly did before I studied it as I read this and, and, and read this and read this passage over and over again. Uh, there were a number of questions that, that ran through my mind that my study this week answered, and I hope they'll be answered for you. For instance, let me, let me give you some, some examples. Verse 28, Jesus says, learn the parable of the fig tree. What I want to know is, is this fig tree symbolic? Does it represent something? Sometimes in Scripture it does, and there are people who say it is representative here, it is symbolic here of something other than just a fig tree. That's a very valid question. What does the fig tree mean? Secondly, in verse 30, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And, and so you have to ask yourselves, what generation? Is he referring to the generation of the disciples? Is he referring to a future generation? What generation? Another question. Based on verse 32, but of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. I want to know, why do people set dates for Christ's return in light of this verse? Why do they set dates? And they do set dates. A number of years ago, uh, a popular booklet was the, something like The Rapture Could Take Place in 1988. Very popular. People in this church embraced it. Why? In light of this, this truth. And, and I want to ask this in light of verse 32. Why won't people living during the tribulation period be able to figure out the date of Christ's return? Why won't they? They know it's going to be seven years. If you can figure out when, it's, when it will have begun, why can't you, you know when the seven years are going to be up? Another question in, in light of this, verse 32, Jesus said that not even he knew the day and hour of his return when he uttered these words. Well, why not? Isn't he God? If he's God, then he must know everything. He's omniscient, all-knowing. But yet he said that he did not know the day and the hour that he would return, but only the Father at that point knew. That's a very, very valid question. And if, if those aren't enough questions to kind of boggle your mind, there's a parallel account in Matthew 24. Let's look at Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 raises even more questions. If you are a thinking Christian and you know some, some things about prophecy and about the scriptures, uh, you can't help but have some questions in your mind. I think there are answers but we need to ask the questions in order to get to the answers. Verse 37, let me just read to, to the end of verse 41. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then... There shall be two men uh, in the field. One will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. Now the question is, is this, it really, the language of verse 40 and 41 really looks like the rapture. One's taken, one's left. Is that the rapture? Is he speaking of the rapture of the church? If he is, then you have to put the rapture at the end of the tribulation period. 
if that's what he's referring to. Now this morning, we're going to try to answer these questions. We're going to try to answer these questions. We study uh, Mark chapter 13, go back to Mark, and uh, we're going to try to find some, some answers as we think this thing through. But I want you to understand that the, pa- the purpose for Jesus giving this parable was basically not to answer our questions. Not to answer our questions, and not even to answer the questions that we raised, but to answer a question raised by his disciples. This is not intended to be a controversial portion of scripture. We've made it that way because there's some misinterpretations and some misunderstandings, but when Jesus gave this parable, it was to answer the question that his disciples raised at the beginning of chapter 13. Verse 1, as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Remember, they they had just come out of the temple, and and we're not talking about one building in the temple, we're talking about a whole complex. And Jesus had just said that your house will be left unto you desolate, that someday this house will be abandoned. So they said, but Lord, look at the magnificent buildings. How will it be abandoned? That's what they're really saying. And Jesus said in verse 2, not only will it be abandoned, it will be judged. Jesus said to them, to, to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. So in their minds, they're thinking, wait a minute, the destruction of, of the temple must mean the destruction of Jerusalem. Aha, it's the end time that Jesus is referring to. And he's going to establish his kingdom. Now, really, he was only referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., That's initially what he was talking about there. And Luke brings that out. But Matthew and Mark take it a step further, and they speak about not only the destruction of... uh, Well, actually, just Luke speaks about the destruction of Jerusalem then. They speak prophetically about another destruction of Jerusalem, another destruction of the city, and the end times. And so Mark chapter 13 is about the end times. It is not simply about what happened in 70 A.D., and we know this by going through the whole, the whole chapter. Verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were questioning him privately. And here was their, their questions. It's really, it's two, it's two questions. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Now, they're thinking it's the end of the age. And Jesus sort of uh, takes their questions and explains about the end of the age. Two questions. Number one, when will these things be? What time will they take place? When? He hasn't answered that yet as we've gone through the whole chapter uh, up to verse 27. He hasn't answered when. He hasn't answered anything about time. Second part of their question. Second question, what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? What's the sign? Jesus has answered that question by telling them not just one sign, he's giving them a host of signs. End time signs, he called them birth pains or labor pains, pangs preceding his coming. He said there'll be counterfeit messiahs, there'll be false messiahs who will deceive some people. There'll be conflicts between nations. He spoke about wars and rumors of wars, that's a sign. And even though these things take place now, in the end times they'll be intensified. In the tribulation period they'll be intensified. He speaks about calamities on the earth, terrible times on the earth, earthquakes and famines and pestilence. He speaks of contempt for believers. There'll be an extreme hatred for believers. They'll kill believers. They'll arrest believers. Family members will turn against believing family members. There'll be the Antichrist who will set himself up in the temple, and that's the abomination of desolation. See, this is not simply... Uh, A.D. 70. This is the end time. And, And he speaks about other things in this context. However, he has said nothing about when he would return, which is what they asked. 
When will these things be? Until he reaches verse 28, or what we call verse 28, and the parable of the fig tree. See, that's what the parable of the fig tree is about. Without giving the specific date for his return and the establishment of his kingdom, it does address the issue of when or the time of of Christ's second coming. When will these things be? Jesus is going to give his disciples and us two basic truths about the time of his return. First basic truth, the time is near. Time is near. Once you get in the tribulation, it's very near. Second basic truth, the time is not revealed. It's real, it's near, but it's not revealed. The specific time is not revealed. It's unknown. Let's begin by looking at that first point. The time of Christ's return is near. That is the major message that he gives in these first few verses. Verse 28 begins by saying this. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. Jesus had a lesson to teach concerning the time of his return, and he decided to teach it through what we call a parable. A parable. What is a parable? The Greek word that we translate parable in in English is made up of of two words. Para, which means alongside of. Someone comes alongside of you. uh, The Holy Spirit comes alongside. He's the paraclete. Para, alongside of. Balo. Balo means to throw or cast. And I'm sure that we get our English word ball from that. You throw a ball. So you put it together, these words means, mean to throw alongside of. That's, that's just what a parable is if you just take the, the, the root of the words, to throw alongside of. In other words, a parable is an earthly, familiar story which is thrown alongside of people in order to convey a heavenly and spiritual truth. It's not very difficult to understand. It's a spiritual lesson from a familiar material object. Uh, and this teaching wasn't unique to Jesus. Many people uh, used it and, and have used it. In, in the past, and people even use it in the present, though not as much. But it, it was a very familiar way of, of teaching. You take a, uh, something that people are very familiar with, and you throw it alongside of them to convey some other truth, some, some heavenly or spiritual truth. Now, in this situation, Jesus chose something that his Jewish followers would be very familiar with to teach them an important critical lesson about when he would return. He chose a common fig tree. Fig tree. In Israel, fig trees very common. They were certainly very common then, very popular in Israel. And uh, there may have even been one right in, right in close proximity on the Mount of Olives. There may have been. We don't, we don't know. He may have been looking at, at a fig tree when he, when he said this. But verse 28 goes on to say the whole thing. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Okay? It really, this is really very simple. Very simple verse, very simple truth. Uh, A child in Israel hearing this could have understood this. Anybody can understand this. Let me explain. Most of the trees in Israel were evergreens. They were green all year long, and uh, the seasons did not affect them. They, They just didn't change much with the seasons. However, that wasn't the case with the fig tree. When the, when the sap begins to flow into the branches of a fig tree, it makes them very tender, makes them very soft, and new leaves appear. New leaves come out. And when observers in Israel would see these leaves on a fig tree, they knew, and they would know today, that springtime has come and summer is near. It's just, just around the corner. The winter's over, the springtime has come, and so summer is, is near. Now that is really what Christ is saying. That is the earthly familiar story that Jesus threw alongside of his followers. A fig tree with tender branches and emerging leaves indicates that summer is near. 
If you, if you grasp that, you're going to understand everything. That's, that's all that this is saying. But we want to ask ourselves, what's the heavenly truth that he wanted to convey by this? And you have to look at verse 29 to grasp it. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Looking down the prophetic corridors of time, Jesus said to the believers who will, will see these things happening, that they should recognize that Christ's coming is near. Now, remember I told you, even though he is addressing, and I told you weeks ago, he's addressing his, his first century disciples, he is speaking with a prophetic perspective. The, the prophets in the Old Testament often did this. They spoke to a people right in front of them, but their message was for a future generation. And that's what he's doing here. So I want you to keep that in mind. Let's look at that again. Even so, you too, when you see these things, what things happening, recognize that he's near right at the door. What are these things happening? They're the signs he's just spelled out for them. Recognize that when you see, when the Christians living during the tribulation period, when they see the signs that I've just articulated to you, they can know that the time of my coming is near. The signs are like the, uh, the new leaves emerging from a fig tree. That's what he's saying. When you see emerging leaves from a fig tree, uh, tender branches, emerging leaves, you know that summer's near. When that generation living in the tribulation period sees these signs, false Christs, earthquakes, calamities, the abomination of desolation, all these things, when you see these things begin to happen, they'll know that my coming is near. It is right around the corner. In fact, he uses the expression, it's right at the door, which means he's knocking and ready to come in. He's close, right around the corner. Christ's point is this, and grasp this. Just as a fig tree with tender branches and new leaves indicates that summer is near, so the occurring signs during the tribulation period will indicate that Christ's coming is near. It is just around the corner. Now, that's not hard. That's not difficult to grasp. And the whole point of this parable is to teach that once these signs begin to take place, his coming is very, very soon. Very soon. And to emphasize how near his coming really is, Jesus makes a tremendous statement in verse 30. One that has confused people, but it doesn't need to if you take it in context. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until the, all these things take place. Now, what generation is he referring to? He certainly could not be referring to the generation that stood before him of the apostles. They all died about 2,000 years ago. That generation passed away a long time ago. What generation is he referring to? He's speaking about the generation which will be living during the seven-year period of the tribulation. You say, but wait a minute, that can't be because that generation will die. People will die. He didn't say that people won't die. He just said the generation as a whole won't die. There'll be individuals in that generation that'll die, but not everybody will die. There'll be lots of people who will, be die, who will die. He's just saying that that generation, that, that society at that time, that group of people called the generation, that group of people will not all die before he returns. Why? Because once they see those signs, his coming is just very close. Very close. That's what he's talking about. The generation that sees these signs won't die out until everything he said about the signs and his return takes place. Individuals may die, but the generation will live. There won't be time for them to all die out. A generation doesn't die out in seven years. His coming is so soon after the signs that the generation living won't have time to pass away. That's his point. Because that generation won't have a long time to wait for Christ's coming. 
just a few years. I really believe that Christ's point is so simple, so uncomplicated, so straightforward, that anybody should be able to understand it. But it, it, is, it is very, very sad that this has been misinterpreted by many. Misinterpreted by many. And the reason it's been so misinterpreted is because some people read more into Christ's statement about the fig tree than I believe Jesus ever intended. They contend that the fig tree represents the nation of Israel. They say the fig tree is symbolic of the nation of Israel, and the new leaves on the fig tree indicates that Israel will become a new nation. And so they say Israel did become a new nation in 1948, the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. And therefore, the generation that, that saw this rebirth won't die out until Christ's return. So we, we must be that generation, they say. Because a generation is about uh, 40 years, or generation, and uh, 1948 and 40 years, about 1988. Sound familiar? 1988. And so, uh, give or take a few years there, we're the generation. And that's their interpretation. Now, uh, how do we answer it? We want to answer this from the scriptures. That's, that's the final authority, the scriptures. How do we answer the view that this uh, fig tree represents the rebirth of Israel in 1948? It's really not that difficult to, to answer. Uh, first of all, I want to be honest with the, with the scriptures and, and, and have integrity. Sometimes Bible writers, especially Old Testament prophets, did use the fig tree to symbolize Israel. There's no question about that. Sometimes they did that. Isaiah did that. Jeremiah did that. I believe Hosea did that. that that's not very difficult to, uh, to substantiate. That's, that's true. Even Jesus did this. Remember Mark chapter 11 where he cursed the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree that pretended it deceived him. It looked like it had new figs on it. And he was hungry. We, we studied this. When he got closer to it, he saw that it, it was really barren. It just had a lot of leaves but no figs. And when Jesus cursed that fig tree, he made it very clear that in context what he was doing was denouncing Israel for pretending to be in love with the Lord and to bear fruit and to uh, have a relationship with the God of, of Israel, and yet they were empty. They were barren. They were lifeless. They just pretended. And so even in that context, Jesus made it clear that the fig tree represented Israel. So we want to we state that up front. That sometimes is the case. But not here. Not in Mark chapter 13. I know that he, that he can't mean that. You say, boy, you're pretty dogmatic on that. How do you know it? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all dealing with the same uh, Olivet Discourse. One will emphasize something that the other doesn't. They never contradict. They never conflict. But sometimes one will bring out something that the other did not bring out for his own unique purpose in writing. In Luke chapter 21, verse 29, this ought to answer exactly what Jesus meant. This is the same, by the way, this is the same parallel concept, same parallel passage of Mark 13. Verse 29, he told them a parable. Behold the fig tree and what? And all the trees. That's what he said in his fuller, in his fuller statement. He's not restricting this to a fig tree being symbolic of Israel. He's talking about any tree that, that bears fruit like this. Any tree that bears fruit to indicate that summer is near. He just chose set a fig tree because it was prominent in Israel. Just using the fig tree as representative of all fruit trees. Behold the fig tree and all the fruit trees. That's all. This is not symbolic of Israel. Not only that. 
But if Jesus had meant the rebirth of Israel, then I want you to know nobody would have understood that until 1948. Nobody. And the purpose of a parable for believers is to reveal truth, not to conceal it. Jesus didn't give parables to his disciples to conceal truth until 1948. He gave parables to help them understand spiritual truth. That's, that's the whole point of a parable when it's given to believers. Also, the context. I mean, the context is so clear. The context is not 1948 or any time other than the tribulation period. And the generation is the generation living at the end of the age. You'd, you'd, have, to, you'd have to just throw away the context to come up with anything else. Now then, what did you think of Pastor Steve's explanation of the fig tree? I know I've heard many say that it represents Israel. Perhaps you've heard that also. Here's what I appreciated about what Pastor Steve said. He backed it up with scripture, and not just a verse, but he used the context. That is so important when studying scripture, understanding the context of the verses in question. We're not done learning about the time of Christ's return, so I'm inviting you to join us next time for Verse by Verse. If you would like to hear today's teaching again, or if you would like to pass it on to a friend, please go to versebyverseradio.org and click on the Archives tab. There you will find past Verse by Verse programs. Now, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's program, and I hope you're able to join us today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.